Amen. Amen. Before the children leave, because I want the, the, the teachers here, um, my son Justin had a few words of healing, that words of knowledge that God gave him. So I, I want to give an opportunity here. Um, these are for some physical healing. Someone's back, their lower back area. Is there anybody here with a lower back issue? Stand up if you have. Okay. Awesome. Matthew, Daryl, Sister Betty. Then there's also a person who has a right elbow pain. Pain in their right elbow. Anybody with that? Okay. You've got a hurt hand. Okay, awesome. You're going to be healed. Amen. A person's hip, their right hip. If you've got some uh, hip issue on your right side, if you could stand up. And then also someone who has some issues just with their digestive system with involving your stomach and, and um, digestive things. If there's anybody there here with that, if you could stand up. Amen. Your mom. Amen. You stand in proxy. That's good. Amen. What I'd like is everybody in a row or two around you, take a look and let's lay hands on these people around us. We're a body. We minister together. So there's Matthew at the back. Amen. Kieran, you can lay hands on Matthew. There's Cora at the back as well. So if I could have a lady or two go back as well and pray for Cora. Amen. Awesome. Lord, I thank you for these words of knowledge, these words of healing, and we release your healing right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for healing. We thank you, Lord, for the full, complete work that you have given us and that you've paid the price for. So, Lord, we just reach out and we extend healing right now and we agree with what you are doing right now in your precious name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Children, you may be dismissed, and the teachers as well. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I begin preaching, I want to just pray. And if you join me in this prayer... I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And this is my prayer for you this morning, that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards you, and that they, it would work in accordance with the strength of your might. So, Heavenly Father, I just ask that right now to be in everyone as we take some time, Lord, to look at your word, that our eyes would be open, that we would see what you have for us. Amen. Amen. We have some exciting 
things coming this fall with, with our men and ladies group. I want to read you this. I know Charlene did a great job with announcements, but I, I want to express to you, I, Pastor Daniel, myself, Pastor Brenda, and I think Olivia, the f- four of us read this material, and um, you read this book, and first of all, it's very hard to put down. And I'm not talking about the Bible. The Bible's very hard to put down. When you read the Bible, God will open your eyes. But there's also other books that are good. There are other books that are good. Paul, when he was uh, in the the epistles, he says, can you bring the scrolls and the books and the writings? So I want to read you something, and this is what we're going to be looking at this year. It's called The Lion Chaser's Manifesto. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past and start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the main and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. And this book that we'll be studying is, is the story of Benaniah. And the men's group and the ladies' group are going to be studying this. And he was someone who chased a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And who knows, you never chase a wild animal and corner them. Right? That was one thing. I I didn't even go to Boy Scouts and I learned that. You don't chase a wild animal into a corner. But I'm here to tell you, chase your dream and push your dream and chase it into the corner, and don't let it go. Grab it and dare to live differently. And this book will inspire you. It's, I believe it's a timely word for us. So I want to encourage you. That is the men's and the ladies' groups. And then our life group, we are going to be looking at kingdom keys. What are some kingdom keys? Keys of relationship. I'm not talking about networking. I'm talking about relationship. What is the most important relationship you have? If it's not God, I would suggest to you that you need to retweak and readjust because the most important relationship you have is with Holy Spirit, with God. He is the most important relationship. And when you understand how to relate with Him and how to have intimacy with Him, that affects your other relationships. The key of, key of relationship. I've been looking at this week, I've been studying the key of priorities. Who here would like to get more done? 
Do you know that you can get more done by doing less? Key of priority. There's, I'll, I'll just give you a little principle. There's what they call the 80-20 principle. Anybody heard of the 80-20 principle? It's a mathematic principle that an Italian uh, mathematician, his name was Pareto. It's called the Pareto principle. And what he found was you spend 80 or 20% of your time accomplishes 80% of the things you want to do. And 80% of your time accomplishes 20%. They've actually found this in many other aspects. In giving. They found this principle in giving. But if you learn how to leverage the 20% of your energy to accomplish 80% of the things that you need to do, and if you learn how to identify what that 20% is, you will accomplish more in that 20% time than you will in the 80%. I worked in construction for 25 years, and what I found was starting a project was easy. Finishing a project was hard. And I would work on something and 90%, 80 to 90% of the job went real quick. And the last little bit took more energy than the beginning. But if you learn how to take that, the law of priority, and the first priority is seek first the kingdom of God. And what we're going to find is a lot of these kingdom principles have spiritual application, but they also have natural application. And when you learn how to live your life in a kingdom living perspective, you will take kingdom principles and you'll apply them into natural settings and you will see things excel and move forward. So I'm looking forward to that and that's in our life groups this year. Amen. Do you have that picture uh, that Justin gave you this morning? Could you put that up, Cora? Anybody ever see this on TV? I, 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 I see this picture, and it, it reminds me, and, and every time we'd watch Charlie Brown, we'd, we'd see him get ready to kick the football, and just before he kicks the football, Lucy, with a smile on her face, pulls the football away, and Charlie Brown runs by, he does the kicking motion, and he flips over and falls back, and he does this every single time we saw him. Have you ever felt like you're in the process and you're just about ready to kick the ball and somebody pulls it away and you just go flying through the air? Anybody? There's a few honest people. So this is kind of my backdrop this morning. I believe it's going to be prophetic, not pathetic. And, and, um, but I wanted to give you this, this picture of how sometimes the process, and I believe this is this message, you're going to want to take notes because I believe what I'm going to say today is actually prophetic and will speak to your situation. So I want to encourage you to take notes and to listen hard. Amen? If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Jeremiah. Enough with Charlie Brown. Jeremiah chapter 18, I want to read two passages of Scripture. I want to read out of Jeremiah, and I want to read out of Isaiah. And then I just want to speak. I, I just got a bunch of thoughts to give you. But I believe there's some prophetic words that God has today. Some words are going to drop into, inside of your ears, and they're going to hit your spirit 
And, and one of you might hear one word and another person might hear another word. If something hits in your spirit, take note of that and write that down because that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. That's not me. That's God. I believe that's God speaking this morning. So I want to read Jeremiah 18, verses 1 to 4. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making, the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. In the process, have you ever wondered why in the process? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Why is, is this situation changing? And sometimes we get the question, why in the process? And I want you to see the last phrase that I read there because I think sometimes we put ourselves in the center of what's happening. It is very easy to become very subjective when things start to go wrong. And we start to think, what about me? What about me? What about the person that hurt me? And I have found when I go through things, quite often all of a sudden I don't become outward looking. I become very much inward looking. And, it, and all of a sudden my eyes start, instead of going outward to see somebody or trying to understand why or where they're coming from, I turn inward and I start to evaluate and look at me. And I become defensive. They hurt my feelings. I might have hurt theirs, but they hurt my feelings. And it's, what about, here's one, what about my rights? Have you ever heard that argument? I have rights. I would suggest to you that your rights are found in the kingdom. And the rights you have in the kingdom are a whole lot different than the human rights that we think we have. My right is to serve you and to love you. It is not to say that you have to do this, this, and this, and this. It's not to backbite or to argue. It is to serve and to love. And then that last passage there in the verse, it says, it pleased the potter to make. And sometimes when we go through the process, sometimes when we're stuck in the middle of what's happening and we look around and we literally could yell out why, and what happens is all of a sudden we started to look inside and inward and God says, no, this is what pleased the potter to make. So this morning I want to talk about the purpose in the process. I wish I didn't have to go through things. I wish I wouldn't have to endure some things. But what I have found is as I've endured things, I've grown, I've got stronger, I have greater insight, I have greater authority, I have greater influence because of what I've gone through, not because of me sitting still, but because of going through something, I've gained something. And what happens is when you understand the purpose in the process, you look at, the, and you look at it differently. It says that Jesus, he, he saw the end, and because he saw the end, he endured what he went through. It says, for the joy set before him, 
he endured the cross. So this morning I want to talk a little bit about the purpose in the process. We're all in process and we're all different. But if you can take a moment and if you can be honest and if you can be brutal and if you can be prepared to extract yourself from that and say, God, what are you doing in this purpose and in this process? It will change how you look at what you're going through. We love pity parties. Woe is me. We have this Anne of Green Gables sentiment. I am in the depths of despair. Woe is me. Look at what I'm going through. And what happens is we start to focus on what we're going through instead of where we're going to. And there's some prophetic thoughts that God has given me, just some one-line thoughts, and I might just read them off to you, but this morning I believe that you are going to experience something, and if you are prepared to listen and submit to the Holy Spirit and His Spirit talking to you, you will see different how you're going through what you're going through. Instead of looking at it as the raw end of the deal, have you ever said it's the raw end of the deal? Why do I always get the raw end of the deal? As a believer, I don't believe you've got the raw end of the deal. It says in Deuteronomy, he wants you to be the head, not the tail. Think about that. The tail usually is the stinky part. He wants you to be the head. Huh? Can we be honest? I'd rather be the head than the tail. Let's turn to Isaiah 40. There's a passage in Isaiah I want to read. Isaiah is an amazing book. If you look at it long enough and you read it enough times, you actually find out that there's two major aspects in, in, in Isaiah. And the first number of chapters have a certain feel to them. And all of a sudden, around 30 chapters in or 35 chapters in or somewhere around there, all of a sudden the message changes. And what's amazing about Isaiah is it's got 66 chapters. How many books of the Bible are there? 66. So when you study the book of Isaiah, and if you look at it, and many theologians have looked at it and dissected it, and it's amazing how 66 chapters in Isaiah relate actually to 66 books in the Bible. And the back half of Isaiah, from about chapter 35, chapter 40, somewhere in there, all of a sudden the message changes. And what happens is there's 37 books in the New Old Testament and there's 29 in the New Testament. And it almost correlates book to chapter, uh, chapter to book. Isaiah is an amazing book. In chapter 40, this is, this is kind of the revelation starting to happen and the change starting to happen in this book as, as Isaiah is moving by the, the Holy Spirit. And I want to read about four or five verses to you, and then I'm going to start just speaking and declaring some prophetic words. Are you okay with that? Because I believe that you are going to see your purpose through this process with better clarity than you've seen it before. I want to give you a picture of God this morning. So verse 27, Isaiah 40. Why do you say, O Jacob, 
and speak, O Israel, and maybe insert your own name in there. Why do you say David and speak, O Stunenberg? <laughs> My way is hidden from the Lord. Huh. Have you ever asked God, why don't you see what's going on with me? Put your name in there. Why do you say, David? And why do you speak, Stunenberg? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over by my... He isn't even looking, and I have rights, and this is just, and this is fair, and this is... And he's not even... It just went right by him. If we were to be brutally honest, I think many of us would say, you know what, there's been times when I've been in my car or when I've been walking through the bush or when I've been by myself that I've literally yelled and said, what's going on, God? And I'm not talking about being angry with God, although sometimes there may be instances where you think you're angry with God. And you know what? God can handle that. God's a big God. The way he handles it, you may not like but he can handle it. He's not intimidated. And I don't think sometimes, I think sometimes there's an aspect of fear God, but also he knows my thoughts. <laughs> he knows what I'm thinking. And there's been times when some of you here have said, do you even see what's going on? Do you even know what I'm feeling? This is some of the prophetic part. There's some of you here who feel like, you know what, if I could just have an audience with God and I could point my finger and say, this is what's happening. If only I could, and you say, my way is hidden. Do you see this? Have you just passed by me while I've been desperate for you? Have you not known? This is a response. Have you not heard? The everlasting God. My goodness, he doesn't live in the time realm that we live in. He lives outside of time. He created time so that we would know it. He doesn't need it. He, he created, he lived before there was time. The everlasting Lord, God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. And I want you to start grasping here as I'm talking about this. And as I'm sitting here and I'm standing here and I'm moving and I'm hurt and I'm writhing in pain and discomfort and it might, it's all about me and it's subjective. And hear this, hear this, David, hear this. Do you not know that you're God? is an everlasting God. You're not dealing with someone who lives and breathes and dies the same way you and I live and breathe and die. We are talking with God who is supernatural, who is everlasting. He's not... There is no comparison between the finite human and the infinite God. You can never make something finite something infinite. That's the marvel of Jesus 
living in a human shell, the infinite came to the finite. He neither faints nor is weary. I get weary every single day. I've got two grandchildren. One is real easy. I just hold them. The other one, he's like a mile a minute. He comes to the house and I can't sit still. I got to do this. I got to do... He wearies me. <laughs> His understanding. Think about this. This is a picture of your God. His understanding is unsearchable. You couldn't write books to contain everything that God knows. We will spend eternity with him, and spending eternity with him will be a complete, ongoing, everlasting revelation of Jesus and God our Father and Holy Spirit. And as we grow in eternity, one day, and then day one billion, and year one billion, we will still continually be under getting a revelation of the goodness, of the majesty, of the import, and the import of our God. If we were to take a string, I've seen this example, I think it's a marvelous example, and maybe one day I'll do it, but if you took a string from here to this wall to that wall, and you'd say, and this is an incorrect assessment, but if you could just say, let's look at this as eternity to the future, and let's look at that as the beginning or the eternity to the past, and you take this string line, and then you took a little straw and you cut the straw about a centimeter in length and you put the straw in the string. Do you know where that straw would be in relationship to your everlasting? I would suggest to you it'd be right here. And we're living in this little minute straw portion of life and we are going to have eternity with our king. And as we have eternity with him, every time we, we experience something. I had one gentleman say to me, and I just loved it. I had never thought of this before. But he says, you know, David, when we jetpack from one star to another, and I'm thinking, wow, I just always thought of playing golf every day. <laughs> He's thinking about going and exploring the universe I mean, Jetson. Put on the Jetson. Let's go. His understanding is unsearchable. The God that you serve has the answer for what you're going through. You might want to write that down because I forget that so often. But the God that I serve has the answer for what I'm going through. Not Dr. Phil, not Oprah, not even in the pastor, but my God has the answer. And you need, and I need, to put our nose into here and put our feet and knees on the ground and our faces on the ground and start searching him and seeking him and calling out to him because he does Answer your call. 
and it's on you. I will feed you, and I will lead you, and I will give you what God has to say, but if you don't do anything with it, you will not experience what God has for you. The creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. I am a candidate. Anybody here need power? Seriously, right now. We don't have to wait to the end. If you need power, just stand up for a second. You say, why? It doesn't matter if I stand up or sit down. Well, no, I'm just trying to get you to do a prophetic act and, and, and exercise faith in something right now. If you need a touch from God, if you say, you know what? I am weak. I am tired. I'm frustrated. I need your power. Just ask him right now. Just say to him, God, I need your power. And he can come to you right now. Heavenly Father, just come right now. Holy Spirit, just quicken and put your power and impose it on us right now. Amen. Amen. You can sit, you can sit down. He gives power to the weak. This is Isaiah 40. You might want to write this passage down because you may want to read this this week. I'm getting somewhere in the process, understanding what is the purpose of what I'm going through instead of why is this so painful. I've been there. I remember sitting down on my couch, not understanding what's going on. And if you're not careful, you stay there. If you're not careful, you stay there. And you start to build your life around the questions. And you start to stay stagnant. I don't understand. This shouldn't happen to me. Why am I going through this? Why? Why? And if you stay there, you will never get to here. And God wants you here. God wants you here more than you want to be here. He died for you to be there. He gave you every single provision that you and I need in order to get here. And so as we walk through the purpose of the process and as we go through things, we can get, if we're not careful, we get stuck. I've been there. There were days I had to fight it with everything in me to not become depressed, stagnant, angry, despondent because I, I, had to, I had to get my eyes off of what was going on in order to see what he was doing. Are you receiving this morning? I believe there's something for every one of you here. Every single one of you, God has something to pour into you this morning. You are not weak. You say, well, it's a, it says in the Bible, let the weak say I'm strong.
To those who have no might, he increases strength. Oh, thank you, Lord. This is the God that you and I serve. I'm not here to give you six steps this way, six steps that way. I'm trying to give you one point in one direction, and that's God. And I believe in wisdom. I, believe, I, I love wisdom. But sometimes we try to make a formula of this and that, and instead the only formula I know is drop on my knees and start seeking Him and calling out to Him and asking Him and going after Him. And I don't need to get to know the human condition. I need to get to know the God heart. And many times we chase after the human condition and we want to change the human condition, but we don't have a clue what God's heart is. And His heart for you is for you to increase. His heart for you is for you to succeed. His heart for you is He will never leave you nor forsake you. So why am I here? Because He has a purpose and a plan for what you're going through in order to get you here. Because when you're here, you are going to be someone that says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He has quickened me and made me alive so that you will set captives free. You will see blind eyes healed. You'll see the lame walk. You'll see those sick healed. You'll see that. Why? Because of what God has brought me through, I can now declare this. I am expecting and planning to walk through the hospital and cancer will flee because what we have gone through, we have paid the price, we've gone through the process. I'm expecting cancer to leave Abbotsford. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting James to stand up and in strength and be healed in the name of Jesus. And in these situations, I'll be honest with you, the doctors can only do so much, but unless God touches people, there is no change that will be lasting. Is my voice elevating? I'm trying to, Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, I want to stir up the gift that was given you. And I've been saying that to a few people this week, young people. Now I'm going to speak to their parents. You've got something inside of you. And I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to mess with you. Because there is so much inside of you that your neighbor needs. If you want to see a change in the neighborhood, maybe the change starts with your address. I love Abbotsford. And there's some stupid stuff going on in Abbotsford. And I'm speaking against it. And I'm, st I'm starting on my property. I'm not going ever. You start, start where you are. I get sidetracked here. I believe the prophetic is on me this morning. The anointing's on me. Even the f youth, and I like this part because I'm, I, I'd like to consider my, myself a youth, but there's other youth around me that are younger than me. So it says, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even the youth. When I was 20, I didn't run out of energy. Ain't the same anymore. Even the youth shall run 
faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord. I love the word but. Whenever you see the word but, check which side of it you're on. And I'm on. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. How do you get through the process? You start looking at it and you start waiting on God. You start tying yourself up to Him. You start binding yourself around Him and tying up every promise that He has. I'm reading promises and I'm saying, they're for me. I'm reading His Word and I'm saying, that's for me. And I rehearse it and I speak it to my dad and I say, Dad, this is what your Word says. I believe it. I expect it. They that wait upon the Lord, I expect this to happen shall renew their strength. And what's amazing is how the spiritual and the physical are connected. Because he's not talking about a spiritual strength here necessarily. He's also talking about the fact that young men will grow weary and faint. And it's amazing how we think sometimes everything's spiritual. I've got to put it in my spiritual box. God said this. Well, that goes in my spiritual box, and this is my natural box. And never the twain shall meet. Because there's no way. I'm, I, and that's what's amazing. As, as I'm studying the kingdom keys, what I'm finding is there's spiritual application, but there's natural application at the same time. And I'm having a hard time separating them. The kingdom of God wants to affect every little aspect of your life. He wants your relationships to be the best, and they're best with a relationship with the Holy Spirit and with God. And then what happens is it starts to affect the horizontal relationships. He wants you to get more done than any. I believe every one of you as a believer should be the most productive worker where you work. And if there's two of you working in the same place, I'd love to see what happens. I don't believe as a believer you should be the least effective. I believe as a believer you should be setting the standard. And if you're a boss, you should be the best boss that people, they don't want to go anywhere else because you're the best boss. And if you're an employee, the boss says, I don't want to lose you because whenever you're around, my company gets blessed. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sign me up, God. Anybody here like that last three lines? That's for you. I want to talk to you. I want to, prophetically, I want to speak a little bit, and I want to put it within the context of they shall mount up with wings as eagles. Because I took a bit of time just to listen to some sermons on eagles, and, and Dr. Brown has some, and I listened to one by a, a, a gentleman named Ern Baxter, who's an amazing, wow, you listen to him, I mean, he gets your socks moving, I mean, it's like, Wow. He's an amazing preacher, and there's stuff you can find with him online. And he, he shared, and, and he preached. You can learn how to preach a sermon 
And they usually say, preach your sermon and come to a climax and then have your call at that spot. When you listen to uh, Brother Ern Baxter, he has a, a five-minute climax. And then he goes and, and he builds it up again. And, he, and it's like multiple just bombs hitting you. And he was talking about eagles. And he was saying how the believer, the, the eagle is a pitcher. And many times in the Word of God, God will have an animal or a pitcher, and he will have that as a portrait of what you and I can expect. And the eagle is like the top of the food chain with respect to the bird kingdom. And it's amazing because an eagle actually enjoys the storm. An eagle, and some of them, not necessarily in British Columbia, but some of them will have their nest on a cleft in the rock. And they'll feel the wind. I find it interesting, the wind is often symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is they will perch on their cleft near their nest, and they'll feel the wind. And what they refer to as thermals. And a thermal is a wind that accelerates and goes upward. And they will launch out. And think about this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings, as eagles. And what happens is, you, when you wait upon God, all of a sudden you start to become sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing. And you're in the middle of your process but instead of getting stuck with the process, you start to see the acceleration in the process. You start to see what God's doing in the process. You start to see the purpose in the process. You start to see the reason for the pain is going to get my gain. And what's going through now is going to bring me over here. And all of a sudden, you start to see as an eagle, you start to recognize and discern the blowing and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you start to get and you jump off of that cleft of the rock and you don't even have to flap your wings. You open up your wings and the wind cuts underneath you and it lifts you higher. It lifts you higher. And it defies gravity. Because when you lift up and you look at Jesus and you see him and all of a sudden you discern what God is doing, the storms of life come and you think I've got to be fluttering like a chicken. No, he doesn't want you flapping your wings and beaking like a chicken. He wants you stretching your wings like an eagle and soaring higher and higher and taking that wind and letting it lift you up. It says that the eagle can reach up to 10,000 feet so high that you and I will not even see it. You as a believer, going through what you're going through, can be so lifted up in God that those around you don't even see it because all they're looking for you and they don't even see you because God is lifting you up and you're riding the wind of the Holy Spirit and the tempest that other people think is blowing evil is actually raising you up and your wings, and it says the feathers on his wings, he manipulates so that he moves it up higher. The eagle has two sets of eyelids. One set of eyelids looks down. The other set of eyelids can look at the sun and not get scorched. 
So in the middle of the storm, it can actually start and it spreads its wings and the thermal energy of the wind and the heat starts to raise it and it can set its eyes on the sun. And I might be talking about a bird, but some of you right now are getting the spiritual punch. And he sets its eyes on the sun and he looks to the sun and he stretches out and he doesn't lose his eyesight. And other animals that may be trying to follow it cannot sustain because they cannot look at the sun without getting their eyes burnt or a glare in them. This is for you and me. I put this down. Here's a prophetic nugget. Where God is taking you is greater than where you are now. Write that down because you're going to forget it. Because in the middle of things, we can't see what's going to happen. But I'm telling you, you've got to take a step back. Seek Him. Wait on Him. Search for Him. His ways are under, His understanding is unsearchable. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to stand on that cleft of that rock and I'm going to hold on and, and I'm going to start to see the Holy Spirit moving. And I'm going to jump out and I'm going to spread my wings and I'm going to soar high. Because that is the way of the believer and that's the picture God has for you and me. And what he wants this, you to see is where he's taking you is greater than where you are right now. Your landscape changes the higher you get. I went for a walk with my wife and a few other people a number of years ago in Arizona. And we started in the parking lot. And all we could see was the parking lot. We started to climb up the hill. And all of a sudden we could see the tops of the vehicles. We kept going, and we saw past, and Arizona doesn't really have mountains. they got hills. You start to climb, and all of a sudden, I saw past that little mountain, that little hill. And my vision changed from what I could see this way. The higher I got, my perspective started to change. I kept climbing, and all of a sudden, I could see all of Phoenix, we kept climbing, and we got to the point where we actually stood at a spot, and we could see 360 degrees. We could see to the north. For those of you geographically challenged, north. We could see to the south. We could see to the east. We could see to the west. Because when you change your perspective and you start to soar with God, he starts to lift you out of that and all of a sudden you get... And you know what? The pain of walking up that mountain changed when I got to see the beauty of what he had for me. I'm not trying to diminish your pain. I'm trying to get you to see it differently. Because when you can understand the purpose of the process, I will go through things in order to get to things. I will 
pay that price in order to get that anointing. Anointing is not cheap. I got to tell you, influence, authority comes with a price. But the things you're going through, you're paying the price. You might as well accept it and pay the price and say, you know what, I'm going to get through it, so I might as well get through it with everything God has for me. And there's some of you here, I'm speaking prophetically, but there's some of you here that God is starting to, maybe that's why I'm going through this. Maybe that's what God's doing can't do this. I can do this one. Maybe that's what's happening. I'm starting to connect the dots. I thought my pain was just me, but now I realize that I'm going to have sympathy and compassion and empathy for somebody around me because of what I've heard and felt. And then I'm going to start to see eyes being opened. You know, when Jesus spoke those words in Luke, it was after he spent 40 days in the desert. Even Jesus endured things. It said he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Are you receiving this morning? Where God is taking you is greater than where you are now. And as I'm preaching this, this is what I'm preaching to myself too. You find out whenever you preach, you either go through it or you're going to go through it. And sometimes you're going through it. God has not designed you to live a stagnant life. You were not created just to exist. I wish sometimes that God would have taken me from point zero to point 100 and do a Philip thing. But for some reason, it didn't happen. But what I've learned along the way, sitting in a room, watching people who have no hope, waiting to see a doctor who's going to tell them, you've got cancer. Sitting there going, they've got no hope. Some of them, just one of them, not even their partner with them. Sitting in a meeting, getting this news that hits you like a brick wall. And you go through that. I don't want to see people go through that anymore. What pain have you endured? What have you gone through? It's not all about you. It's not all about you. It might think it, you might feel it, but I'm here to tell you, when you understand the purpose behind it, what's going on, you get to the other side. And you say, I'm going to fight for everything in me, and I'm going to declare what God has. And in my particular case, it's cancer. 
in other people's cases, it may be something else. Maybe God's healed you from sickness, a certain disease, whatever. Whatever battle you've gone through, take the spoils of that battle and start to live at that place instead of in the middle of all the garbage and stand at the victorious side and say, I am a victor. God brought me through these things and I'm going to stand here and I curse cancer. You say, well, who said you could? The Bible says I can. I'm cursing it in the name of Jesus. And I'm binding it. And I'm expecting Abbotsford to see a decline in cancer. I'm expecting the cancer agency in Abbotsford to go, you know what? We've started accepting people from Chilliwack and Langley and Mission. Why? Because we just don't have a lot of it here in Abbotsford. And then I'm expecting it to expand. And all of a sudden, Chilliwack sees a decrease. Are you with me? And I start to see mission decrease. And Langley, and it flows over into Surrey and New West and Burnaby and Vancouver and Coquitlam and Maple Ridge. Goes out to hope. Merit. Who says God can't do that? What you've gone through when you see the purpose of what God has done there, you stand there and say, I'm not going to go through this. And I don't want to see people going through what I've gone through. And it might be financial. It might be relational. Some people have a heart for kids. Some people have a heart for this. Whatever that passion is that God is stirring up and you know it. It gets your motor running. Whatever that is, you look at that and you say, God, what are you doing here? And where are you positioning me? Because I've gone through the purpose of the process. And I've come through the other end. You have gone through it now. You are past it. You are through it. Why? Now it is time for you to start spreading it out to others. The Spirit of the Lord's upon you. Because He's anointed you to preach good news. To heal the sick. To see the lame walk. To see blind eyes restored. To see people captive set free. I don't just want to see physical healings. I want to see physiological healing. I want to see people with neurological things that the doctors have no clue what to do. But all of a sudden a great physician comes and he touches them and they start to think clear. They start to have clear thought. They start to see things happening inside of them because of the power of God. It's easy to see a physical change. It's hard sometimes to see the neurological or the physiological. But that doesn't stop God. Do, do you receive what I'm saying? I wrote this down. It's in the passing through the crucible of life. The disappointments, the frustrations, the hurts, the weariness, the struggle, the failure, all the negative. It's through that that you find your source. It's through that that you find your strength. It's through that that you find your purpose. It's through that that you find your help. This morning we sang that song, I'm desperate for you. I am desperate for God. And I'm chasing the lion. 
I'm daring to be different. I'm not living just to exist. Uh Uh-uh. Been there. Done that. Got too many t-shirts. I'm, I'm, I'm living to see something different. I'm living to see the power of God unleashed. I'm living to see my neighbor literally get affected because I walk by. I'm literally living to see my shadow cause damage. I'm lit. Man, if it happens that people come by here and say, can we get a piece of cloth and can you pray over it? You know what? It's done in the Bible. I'll do it here. You need to become more aware of your shadow. I just dropped that in there. What I found through this is God is more interested in your character and in your growth than He is in your comfort. He's a good father. And I have children. And there's been times when I've done things that my children did not like because I wanted to bring them to a point here. And it says in the Bible that if we as parents know how to do this and we're, we're sinful and we're evil and we're, we're just not perfect, how much more your heavenly Father. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes what you go through may be uncomfortable. But God is more interested in what He's developing in you than you sitting still and having a comfortable chair. I'm hoping I'm kind of stirring some of you up. I'm hoping I'm getting some of you, like, uncomfortable right now. Because I think we've lived a life of comfort. And we put comfort ahead of character. We put comfort ahead of inconvenience. We put comfort ahead of expectation or even the pastor asking something of you. How dare they ask me to do that? I show up every Sunday. Well, so do I. And the last time I checked, there's empty seats. And the last time I checked, I had people talk to me about their neighborhoods. People talk to me about people they work with. I've, I, talk to me, that's fine. But I'm going to say, what are you doing about it? I've got my own neighborhood. What are you doing in your neighborhood? Amen. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And then I want to just leave you with this verse from Ephesians 2.6 where it says that He has raised you up to sit you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your position, you might think it's here, 
I would make you and challenge you to think about it and realize that when he wrote that, he wasn't just writing, writing it future tense. He was writing it as a completed act. Your position right now is in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Soar like an eagle. You don't have to sing me the song. I like to fly like an eagle. You missed that one, Monique. It was before your time. I hope I've stirred some of you this morning. I hope I've stirred every single one of you. Because I'm tired of complacent Christianity. I'm tired. I want to see God move. I want to see him move. <laughs> How does that happen? Come here Wednesday and spend some time in the prayer room. I just thought I'd trip that in. If you want to see God move, what are you going to do about it? Amen. You're, I'm done. I've given you everything I've got. I'm going to have a nap. After lunch. There is so much potential here. Jesus took 12. We got more than 12. And the world was turned right side up for Christ. We don't have to wait till we're 600 people. We don't have to wait until we're 175 people. We can do it with the 100 or the 110 or the 120 that we have. And I include your kids because they might do a better job than us. But we can do and make a difference now. And you make the difference by just seeking God and seeing where you are and what God's doing and then soaring, spreading your wings and letting Him lift you up to see the purpose for what you're going through. Amen? Why don't you stand? A couple weeks ago, Pastor Daniel did a prophetic act. Powerful. He exercised his biblical authority as a priest. And he blessed you. And so I want to do the same. I want to declare a blessing over you as a spiritual oversight over you, I want to extend my hands and I want to speak a blessing over you. And what I'd like you to do is if you want to receive it, just, just be in a posture to receive. I speak blessing, not cursing. I speak victory, not defeat. I speak goodness, not illness. I speak health, not sickness. I declare that the blessings of God will come and overtake you in your places of business, in your places of residence, in your places of travel, in your places of leisure, that they will come and they will literally overtake you now. And I call on the kingdom 
of heaven and the master and the king of all to hear these words and to stand behind the words of his word and his covenant. And I evoke his blessing on each one of you here in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, say amen. So be it. God bless you. Have an amazing week. See you next Sunday.